Hey guys, really excited to have Rick on our podcast. Rick was initially on our very first episode representing Holistic Hemp Scotland. Rick joins me alongside Tamara, both of which are promoting their newly launched cosmetic range, Ascend Skincare. We discuss some really important subject matters that completely get overlooked in the CBD industry. Tamara explains the difference between cosmetic versus medical and what can and can't be said in regards to your CBD products. Is your CBD really traceable? And how important is it to the end consumer? This is one of our most insightful discussions regarding the CBD oil industry in the UK. Hi Rick, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks mate. How are you guys? Yeah, doing good. Good Good to catch up. So what have you learned, Wes? I'd be interested in that. Like, you know, what do you think are the things that are really working for you? Because obviously, if there's anything we can do to support as well, like the competition stuff, you know, we all want the same end. So what moves the needle? What moves the needle? So competitions, I was really happy with how that ran, you know, just putting out content, just putting out posts and stuff on Instagram. I think you'll start to see your followers go up. But for us personally, I noticed it was a lot of CBD brands which are following us rather than people interested in purchasing CBD. So we're really trying to turn that flow. I don't, I've always said it, I don't think there's a great return of investment of just spending money on Instagram just to post. You know, you have to have a reason why you're doing it. I think that competition really solves that. Website wise, I think it's keeping the products to a minimum and having a core focus on the product and really going for that audience saying this is the problem we're solving and this is the product, you know. I think that's definitely it. Having a target audience. I saw someone say it the other day, if you target everybody, you're targeting nobody. And I think that is 100% true with CBD, you know. That's why I'm really interested in your product because you're focusing in in on something. You have a clear USP what you're doing. And now I think it's about targeting the audience and not making it all about the CBD. I think that's one of the biggest points is there's still, I notice it when I talk to people, when you mention CBD, it's still not looked at amazingly between people who don't know about CBD. They still say, am I going to get high all the time? Am I going to get high? So I think it's yes. Maybe stop focusing on CBD as much. It's like a beauty product and this yeah. is this is an added bonus of it. And everybody says the same thing. It's really old and dry, right? We have the best CBD oil in the world. If I hear that one more time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's um, a few months ago, they spent a lot of money and it's the same thing. We've got premium CBD. It's traceable. And you know what? It's nice to be traceable, but in general, people don't really care that much, you know. <laughs> no, we, what does the product do for me? Why should I buy it? Yeah, they don't care if it where it was grown or whatever, really, because people have different price points, you know. Mm-hmm. People don't care for tomatoes. Some people can't afford organically grown tomatoes, so they just go for the cheaper ones because people just don't care that much you know yeah so you do have to have a clear usb and a use case for your product you know i think if like psoriasis as well that was a really good seller for us and they took their product off the website i'm unsure why that is i think maybe brexit or something 
But that was by far the most popular product was uh, the cans on psoriasis CBD cream. Are they allowed to call it psoriasis cream? Because that that sounds like a medical claim, right? That sounds like something you really probably shouldn't say. Yeah, but if you've got ingredients in it, what does help with psoriasis, then I assume you can say it. (laughs) I mean, Samara, you'll know better than me, right? But that, that sounds like... Thin eyes to me. <laughs> Doing a little stretch <laughs> for that one. It depends whether they've actually gone all out and registered it as a medical product. Psoriasis is a medical condition. You cannot sell a cosmetic as a medical product for a medical condition. We can't even right. say acne because acne is a medical condition. So right. all it would take would be a single letter to the ASA and that product would be off the shelf. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so, but luckily- um, you can get around it, you know, um, but there is very, very strict definition about what constitutes a cosmetic product. And a cosmetic product is uh, about improving the appearance or smell of something or cleaning it or changing its color you know it is very much you know a superficial thing whereas we know that skincare you know especially natural skincare falls on this line of like pseudopharmaceuticals where yes it does help with skin issues but because it's registered as a cosmetic product we can't say that it's actually for these medical conditions if you want to say this is a cream for psoriasis you have to have it clinically tested and you need to have it approved for sale as a medical product. That's where, like, organizations like, you know, the MHRA, yeah. those are the boys that are going to get involved if you're making, like, those medical claims. So it's the same for the guys with the CBD oils, right? Like, yeah. if you're going around saying, and obviously most guys not doing this anymore, saying, yeah. like, oh, it cures cancer and stuff like that, it's like, definitely you get in trouble. And, uh, hey, listen, you know, I, I think there's some interesting science in relation to cannabis and cancer, but it's also true that you shouldn't be selling on that basis like it's a silver bullet and stuff like that. So psoriasis will be the same as well. You know, you'll find that psoriasis sufferers, you know, what might help one sufferer might not necessarily help the next. Yeah, completely. So, so, point of why you can't sell it as that because it needs to have the clinical trial to back it up to keep if it's being going. sold as medical. Yeah, so they the Canzon actually, their whole range is based around different things like that. So they have got acne, they have got anti-aging, they have got psoriasis, but it was only their psoriasis they said we can't sell just for a while and it'll be back again. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what happens. That's there. understandable. So anti-aging isn't one because aging isn't a medical condition. <laughs> <Right>. as- <laughs> I promise you it is, Samara. I can feel every day. <laughs> as much as we'd like for there to be and there's plenty of doctors trying to figure out how to live forever but acne is one that's kind of there's a fine that it's on the fence with acne acne is one that you can get away with that's super interesting thank you for the insight there you know psoriasis is a like a big red flag one it's like no you even like eczema as well if you want to say psoriasis or eczema or anything like that you know you need to have yeah, all those claims to back it up. Acne is one of those things where it's like, is it a medical condition? Could it also be considered that it's for, you know, just like the appearance of it? Yeah. And there is, you know, if you look on the European database of cosmetic ingredients, you do have a lot of these ingredients, such as CBD, that are actually listed as anti-sebum, which means that it helps to regulate the oil production on the skin. So there is enough kind of evidence on the cosmetic side of things to be able to say that CBD is an anti-acne product, even though it technically doesn't have the clinical backups and the medical licensing to go with that. But it's one that people tend to just it's all right same with anti-inflammatory anti-inflammatory is a term that you shouldn't technically be using because it is a medical term however because everybody does use it 
And because it's one of these terms that is, you know, it's like the key selling point to CBD, especially for topical CBD. It's one of these things where you're going to get in trouble because another brand will grass you up is what's going to happen. I mean, there are, but for the amount of brands and the amount of products on the market, there aren't enough men in suits going around checking up what claims you're making Mm -hmm. on your products. What happens is a competitor brand who knows a little bit more about this stuff will go, hey, up, you can't say that. Write to the the ASA and say, these people are making illegal claims. You need to make them stop doing that. And and that's quite common. That's not actually, you know, like a really horrible unheard of thing. You know, big brands do it all the time. Johnson & Johnson, P&G, they're forever going, you know, just kind of attacking each other because it keeps everybody on a level playing field, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within CBD, because anti-inflammatory is a term that so many people use, it's one that within the industry, we've kind of all decided not to attack each other. It's the same as the 0.2% THC. It's like everybody knows that that's bullshit. Everybody just goes along with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. everybody goes along with it. Or, you know, there'll be one person that might turn around, you know, and say, oh, you can't see anti-inflammatory. But because it's the main selling point, nobody's actually going to do that. Yeah. That's super interesting. So yeah, so they took off uh, their psoriasis one, but they are saying acne and anti-aging. And then with uh, your product ranges, so you've got the night serum, the luster oil serum. So these have ingredients in them, which people use typically in their beauty regime, right? Absolutely. There's an inspiration that comes from both ends. So it comes from the slightly more pseudo-pharmaceutical CBD side of things, and then also from the natural skincare side of things. So an ingredient like squalane, for example, squalane is a carrier oil for CBD. Well, technically any oil can be a carrier oil, right? But it's a carrier oil that's particularly used for topical application of CBD because there are actually studies that have shown that using squalane helps to increase bioavailability of the CBD when applied topically. So it's especially relevant for like transdermal, CBD as opposed to topical CBD. So the molecular structure of squalane is pretty much identical to the skin's own natural sebum. So the skin recognizes it as non-foreign and then accepts it more readily and then it carries that CBD molecule further and deeper into the skin a lot quicker than with other carrier oils that have a more differing molecular structure. So that's, you know, one side of things where we're just looking to get that CBD in um, on the more, you know, pharmaceutical side you know if you were but then we're also looking at all the other ingredients because cbd is only a small percentage of the actual formula um and you don't want the entire thing to be about just putting cbd on your skin if that's really what you cared about you wouldn't be buying a cosmetic product you'd be buying a bottle of cbd off the shelf and putting it on your face directly so the appeal is what other ingredients are working with it to work synergistically where you're going to get a boost. So we're mixing uh, the CBD with alpha tocopherols, which are vitamin E's, which are super antioxidant. So they're going to help protect the product in itself because one of the main cosmetic benefits of CBD is its antioxidant value. And what that means is that it prevents free radicals from oxidizing cells, which is essentially what causes the skin barrier to degrade and what causes the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It causes uh, the skin to become more prone to inflammation, more sensitive, more prone to acne, these kinds of things. So we're really boosting that antioxidant profile, which is proving you know, particularly interesting for people that live in big cities where you know pollution is a big factor yeah, because maybe. these free radicals, they don't only come from 
your awful lifestyle choices of uh, smoking a pack a day <laughs> and, uh, and downing five bottles of wine every weekend. They also come from external environmental factors that you don't actually have any control over. Yeah. So it's a natural way to help fight against these external contributors to, uh, to your skin barrier degrading. This is why we love working with tomorrow, right? Because just going back to your original point, like what is the why? Why is there CBD in the product? And going back to what you said about the tincture guys, it's like, I'm selling this CBD. It's the best CBD. It comes from Portugal and it's extracted in Poland. And then it comes here and I can tell you, it's a completely different conversation to the one that Tamara's putting out here, which is like, it's here for a reason. This is what it does. This is how it helps you. This is your lifestyle. This is how it fits into it. And that's what consumers need. You're absolutely right. They couldn't care less about all of this different stuff. I mean, we've almost gone in the same way. It's like, oh, should we film a video of a filling machine putting oil in a bottle? And then you stop yourself and you think, no, no one, listen, when I go and buy mayonnaise, right, I'm not like, <laughs> the video of them filling the mayonnaise bottle is not the thing that's going to, oh, well, now that's going on my chips, right? And I think, I think people have, have, maybe it's because internally in the cannabis industry, there is an, an issue with traceability and there is an issue with sourcing and supply chains are dodgy, that it's a big thing to us. It doesn't mean that it's a big thing to the customer. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it's been made bigger because the CBD industry shouts about it so much, about traceability. And I think that yeah. almost has scared the customer away to think it is a big problem as well. So you've just yeah. got everyone shouting at each other, my one's premium, my one's traceable, you've got to make sure it's traceable. And then the end user's like... What happens if it's not traceable? What's gonna? <laughs> what happens if well, I can't trace it? This is it. I mean, Tamara told me this story, and I say it a lot, right? Because it really stuck with me. Because it kind of just it blew my mind, right? Which was where you're getting like coconut oil from. Oh, right? And this sticks in my head because they'd send monkeys up trees chained to a tree. And when she told me this, I'm like, I couldn't believe it. So like everyone's talking about okay, the traceability of the cannabis plant. But at the same time, you might have coconut oil in the product where a monkey's been sent up a tree. So it's, oh man, the whole conversation needs to move beyond just cannabis because unless the whole thing is done properly, what's the point, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing I was trying to do, uh, you know, I wrote this article um, when we were at the Hemp and uh, CBD Expo last year, and it was trying to get people just out of this rabbit hole, really feel like, you know, we're all just like ostriches, the head in the sand. And the only thing that you care about is your CBD, where it comes from. We're all arguing with each other about, you know, who's got the best CBD when, you know, again, that's actually quite a small percentage of what's in the bottle and your carrier oil is immensely important to how well your CBD is going to be delivered to the bioavailability, to how multitasking it is, you know, whether you can use it, you know, for, for different things in different ways. So I wrote this article about MCT, how much I hate it because it's rubbish. And that's, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. Don't, don't, don't at me. Yeah. Um, but, and it's because of this, you know, again, this traceability issue about, and monkey saves chained trees, harvesting coconuts, you know, they're five times more efficient than humans, but it is, you know, obviously immoral. Yeah. Um, that's not the only issue. It's also that, you know, I've asked people in the past, I was sourcing some, some wholesale CBD for a completely different project a while ago. And I would ask them, what's the composition of your MCT oil? You know, what percentage is palm derived and what percentage is, is coconut derived? And they had no idea. 
Yeah. Like, first of all, you often get people that don't even know whether their product's an MCT or in hemp. Yeah. That's like your level, the first tier of I don't know anything about my product is I don't even know what the carrier oil is. Yeah. And then it was, you know, if it was an MCT, then it was, it didn't know whether it was palm or whether it was coconut and then didn't know whether it was sustainably sourced or not. No traceability behind that because they only care about the CBD yeah. and don't actually put any real thought into how the carrier oil is affecting the final product. That's really amazing. That's um, I couldn't agree more. That's kind of what we've always heard is about how cannabis is traceable, but you bring up a really good point. It's kind of crazy. It's like we could go on and on about loads of different examples. Terpenes is another one, right? Yeah. Everyone doing a terpene analysis of their CBD oil, you know, you're going to find loads of terpenes. This one really sticks out in my head, actually, because it was at the same expo. I had a guy run up to me and saying, Rick, terpenes are the next big thing in cannabis, right? As if we only discovered terpenes because of cannabis. When actually, like, you know, aromatherapists have been using terpenes for ages in essential oils. And actually, if you tested some of our products, Tamara in her formulas is putting essential oils in. And they might contain the same terpenes you find in cannabis, right? So it might be linalol or myosin or whatever. So again, you've got this world where the cannabis industry just looks so one-dimensionally at this one part. Imagine if we were creating products, and maybe it's because we're in skincare, so we don't have just like a single oil that makes us think maybe slightly different, but actually there's loads of compounds in loads of these oils. And going back to the sourcing thing as well, I mean, you can go down rabbit holes there. We might find like an amazing oil, right, that's harvested somewhere locally in Scotland or something like this from a certain local plant and that's great but you know you also have to think commercially like you know can you source enough of it if you're going to sell 10,000 units of product yeah you know do you have this robust supply chain so I think so much goes into it that it surprises me that the conversation is still where it is because consumers want one thing they want you to solve their problem whether you're selling them a kitchen appliance a pair of trainers whatever a t-shirt you're solving problems for them or giving them something aspirational. And nobody, I think, aspires to, yeah, you know, understanding precisely how a certain plant was harvested or dried. I mean, I'm passionate about that stuff. You'll be hard pushed to find someone that's more passionate about cannabis than I am. And I get really nerdy and excited about all that stuff. But brands, I think, definitely have to understand that the consumers, they want to have a different conversation with you. Yeah, completely. And everything what you've just ran through there, it's about creating some personality around the brand, right? Like all of that stuff, I've been working in this industry for just about three years, talking to so many brands about getting them up and running. And I've never had a conversation about any of that stuff before. It's always the same stuff. It's traceable, it's premium. I I don't have these conversations. No, I'm quite new to the cannabis industry and I don't shy away from that. I've got a cosmetics background. I've only been in the cannabis industry for what, like a year and a half now. So still learning stuff every day, right? Yeah. I remember at the Hemp and CBD Expo, I'm not trying to offend you at all because you're not actually really guilty of this. But what I saw around these expos of these CBD brands was just people telling facts at each other Mm -hmm. and not actually having any conversation, not actually asking any questions. All they're trying to do is just prove that they know the most or prove that theirs is the best because of X, Y, Z. And that's all they're doing. They're just saying things. You might as well be talking to a brick wall because the person speaking only cares about what they're saying. And likewise. So there's none of these conversations happening. And I think if the industry starts to turn a little bit more consumer focused 
then we'll start to have these conversations yeah. about, oh, you know, well, how does that actually translate into how your customers interact with your brand? You know, is this something that they feel really passionate about or, or, or not? Because I think often what brands think that their clients will be passionate about is not what the customer is actually passionate yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can agree with you more there, yeah. Well, Wes, I think as well, like you'll know this better than most people, right? You run a digital agency and you'll know that if you just run a load of social ads or whatever, saying buy my product, buy my product, these are all the USPs of my product, it just doesn't work. Like there has to be more nuance to it. I mean, we're we're almost drifting into the world of just selling any product, right? Is what you don't do, like if you're a car salesman, right? This I tell this story a lot, but is a really good example. Like someone walks onto your full court, your job is to sell them a car, right? Now you've got all sorts of different cars, compacts, Ferraris, whatever, sports cars and everything in between. But you walk up to this guy and you make an instant judgment. You start saying, oh, look at this Ferrari, mate, right? It's got two seats. It goes 200 miles an hour, not to 63.2 seconds. And you're just, you're doing what the cannabis companies are doing, right? It's traceable, it's the biggest strength, it's made here, da, da, da. It's the same thing, right? And you get through all of that and the guy turns around to you and he goes, that is amazing, really impressive car. But I've got three kids. I've got a 50-mile commute every day. I'm traveling up and down. But what you've not done is listen to what the customer wants. You've just got to shoved in their face. And, you know, whether you're selling trainers, T-shirt, anything, just listen to the customer. They'll tell you what they're looking for. Yeah. And then you can make recommendations. I think the CBD space is still in that world where maybe it was a bit sexy and cool, right? Cannabis is da-da-da. And maybe that's enough to help sell it, even if that's not a great message and a great brand story, because cannabis is kind of cool and kind of alluring enough that brands are always going to sell some products, right? If you stick a weed leaf on something, it becomes a little bit saleable. But as the industry progresses, the conversation is going to have to move on because at a certain point, consumers are going to be like, great, well, everybody's got a weed product. Yeah, completely. I think that will happen as we got the novel food regulation coming in. Hopefully we see some exits of some brands and the market just to clear up a little bit, just some people leaving the industry because totally, yeah, everyone's just trying to tell you why you should buy their product instead. Well, yeah. I mean, the novel foods thing is is a really interesting development. I mean, I I have maybe like some strong opinions on that, but being a skincare cosmetics company, it doesn't impact us directly too much. We follow a different set of regulations in terms of putting cosmetics and skincare products on the market. But look, my little snippet of, of my view of novel foods is I am not anti-regulation by any stretch, right? I think regulation is a good thing because regulation is the reason that we don't have rat feces in our pasta sauce in Tesco. (laughs) Without regulation, then the market goes wild. However, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan or supporter of the novel foods regulation because I'm not convinced, whilst I want regulation, that this particular one is fit for purpose. And what I mean by that is like, you know, Wes, I used to work at brands where we'd sell tinctures. And I can tell you that some of those products will no longer be possible to access on the market. Yeah. And I must have tried thousands of CBD oils. And yeah, listen, when I worked to these brands, I spoke to hundreds. And I do mean multiple hundreds, might even be thousands of CBD users daily. Listening to them, their experiences and all this sort of stuff. So my thing about the regulation and the way it's working now is... I don't think it's based on good science. The idea that cannabis oil is a novel food 
doesn't make any sense to me. You know, cannabis oil has been consumed by for thousands of years. We know it to be a safe product, zero recorded deaths. This isn't a product that was causing anybody any real harm out in the market as it was. Yeah. The problems for me were things like people were putting them in bottles in their kitchen. They weren't doing it in clean environments. They weren't following good manufacturing processes. But we have regulations for that, and they should be followed. This novel food regulation kind of suggests that, that this is a new, scary kind of product or something that's inherently risky or dangerous. And actually, what do I think is the outcome? I think my fear is that the outcome is that in a few months' time, we find that the vast majority of products on the market are isolate-based. And having spoken to hundreds, if not thousands, of consumers directly, I know that they find more benefit to their health from taking maybe raw products, full spectrum products that contain chlorophyll, fats, lipids, waxes. So, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of this regulation as well, I think there's certainly a lot of lobbying going on in the industry because I don't mind the industry being cleared out of low quality providers who aren't interested in following GMP, who aren't using clean facilities, all this stuff that needs to go because I care about the consumer. But I also care about the consumer having access to something that is not dangerous, is healthy, improves their health. And the reality is, my fear, that once this novel food license goes through, we're going to actually end up making things slightly worse for the consumer. And that leads me to questions of why is this regulation coming in? Who does it serve? What interests are at play here? And I think there's definitely certain business interests at play because it is making the market tighter and smaller. I mean, a 250,000 owners to even think about getting a license or, hey, listen, I speak to brands that have spent well north of a million pounds, right? That is a huge barrier to entry for, let's call it what it is, a product that is relatively inert, is completely safe and does not pose a huge risk. Yeah. To have those barriers in place, maybe it doesn't all necessarily fit completely logically for me, but... I still believe that cannabis is on a huge long journey to becoming a really maybe less sexy, maybe less cool and more of a household item. And I'm a big advocate for that, right? Because people could improve their quality of life with cannabis. And, you know, it's going to be three steps forward, two steps back. Some regulations will be good. Some won't. Some will change. The whole thing will shift and change over time. So it's the next chapter, and I'm, I'm kind of in this weird place. I'm similar to you, as you know, seeing a lot of the low-quality products disappear will make me very happy. Yeah. But I yeah. know that I'm going to see some quality products that I think have helped a hell of a lot of people also disappear. Because they can't so, afford to get the license, you mean? They just don't have the budget available to go ahead with that. Yeah, and even that certain types of products, just by their very nature, sure. couldn't secure a license regardless of who try to put them through the licensing system. Um, Do you ever see anything like that being reversed? Then reconsidering maybe a year or two down the line and saying, you know what, that, that was a bit of an overstep. Honestly, who am I to say, right? I think these decisions are made in rooms that I'm not necessarily in by people with a lot more influence and, and this sort of thing. I mean, what's interesting is you get really deep into it and there's the FSA down in England, but there's the FSS up in Scotland and are they necessarily doing the same thing or taking the same approach? Excellent. Thank you very much, both, for your time. Yeah, you too, Wes. All the best, mate. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Bye tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rue Growth Podcast. For future updates, please subscribe. You can check out the Ascend Skincare range at ascendskincare.co.uk. If you need help with your CBD products, marketing, check us out at cuededesign.co.uk. 
That's C-U-D-E design.co.uk. 